Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 206 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. It's been frosty of late, but with warmer temperatures forecast for the next couple of weeks, I'm excited to get cracking with our new season. Listen in to hear what I've been up to and what I've got planned. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, it's a bit nippy out there this morning and has been for a few days now, but daytime temperatures are finally set to rise and I suspect for most of us, here in the UK at least, we'll be enjoying some serious colony inspection time in the coming week or two. It's not been too bad in the past week, but daytime temperatures have struggled to get much warmer than 12 or 13 degrees Celsius, which is a little cool for any extended period in the hive. It has been warm enough to finally get in and start marking some queens though. It's at this time of the year that I like to mark last summer's and early autumn's queens. So for last year, we marked them with a white dot and that's what we've been using this week. I know a lot of people don't mark their queens and that's perfectly fine. We mark them for a couple of reasons though. Firstly, we do sell a number of nukes and queens each year and generally it's nice for beginner beekeepers to be able to more easily spot their queen when they're carrying out those all-important first few inspections. Another reason for marking queens is that it allows me to see any supersedure queens that may have slipped under the radar, so to speak. I can generally predict when there's been a change in the hive, obvious supersedure queen cells, a lack of eggs maybe, or a change in temperament sometimes. But very often, with quick inspections, they sometimes do get missed. So a marked queen is easy to confirm. And likewise, when you see an unmarked queen, you know there's been a change. Of course, you can sometimes get fooled by the bees, because if you're a little quick in putting the newly painted queen down on a frame after marking her, the workers can remove the paint before it dries, effectively giving you an unmarked queen. There is usually a telltale faint ring of colour where the dot used to be, but you do have to look carefully for it. Knowing the correct age of a queen can be really useful in predicting whether a colony might be more predisposed to swarming too. Older queens generally are more likely to find themselves in a swarm, whereas younger queens with stronger pheromones are less likely, generally, to find themselves in that swarm. So now is my time to get round all of the colonies and get those queens marked and clipped. Clipping queens is something that I've come back to in the past couple of years, after losing one too many swarms a few years back is not a difficult process and prevents the queen from flying away with the swarm. There are a couple of things to add to this, just for clarification. Firstly, you don't have to chop the queen's wing off completely. It's just a portion of the tip 
of one primary or forewing. Something around a third or thereabouts is more than enough. The effect of this is that the queen, unable to fly properly, generally spirals out of control into the grass or undergrowth around the hive. All of the swarming bees, now totally confused as to why their queen isn't with them, head back to the hive. This effectively means you don't lose half of your colony at that time. A couple of points to add here. If the queen falls close to the hive, she may crawl back to sufficiently climb back up into the hive, where the entire process may happen all over again a short while later. She may also climb onto the bottom of the floor, where she will be joined by a large number of bees that swarmed with her, so you may well find your colony has swarmed, even with a clipped queen. If that happens, have a quick look beneath the hive. You might find them there. The other thing to mention is that clipping your queen isn't going to stop swarming. This is really important to remember. What the clipping does is delays swarming by a few more days. And here's why. The colony will normally swarm once queen cells have been capped. This, again, would normally occur on or around day 8. Now remember that a virgin queen will emerge on day 16. So if your inspections fall just right, you'll see the queen cells before they're sealed and you'll be able to do something about it. If you miss a sealed queen cell and the colony tries to swarm with a clipped queen, the earliest they will have likely tried is on that first day of the queen cells being sealed. That's day 8. This newly capped queen cell is going to have another 8 days or thereabouts before it emerges, so you should be able to get in and do something about it before she emerges and goes off with the swarm. If you don't spot what's going on, or you're delayed in getting back into the hive to inspect, regardless of whether you've clipped your queen or not, the colony will swarm, and if you've clipped the queen, they'll take the newly emerged virgin queen with them instead. Clipping queens just gives you a little extra time to get things sorted in the hive, that's all. It won't, as I said earlier, prevent swarming. Many people choose not to clip their queens, and that's perfectly fine. As with most things in beekeeping, there are several ways to enjoy what you're doing and stick with whatever makes you happy. Something that didn't make me happy this week was having to perform a couple of colony destructions. If you've listened to my previous podcast episodes, you'll know that I treat the threat of chronic bee paralysis virus as seriously as the foul brood diseases, and as such, made the decision some time ago to destroy any new outbreaks that occur rather than attempt the long, drawn-out and time-consuming process of trying to help them recover, with the risks that that would spread to my other colonies. Well, during our first spring checks, I found two colonies that were showing signs of CBPV. Most noticeably, the shaking associated with the type 1 syndrome. Both of these colonies were quite small in comparison to others in the apiary, and so, with a thought to protecting the other colonies in that apiary, I chose to destroy them. It's a fairly quick process, and as humane as I can make it, I use ethyl acetate poured into the hive to suffocate the bees, and it works very quickly, normally within seconds. Protecting the other colonies is my primary concern here, and as it appears the main vector for this virus is the movement of drones between colonies, I wanted to get in 
and get it sorted before we got into the main growth period for these colonies in the spring. When colonies first come out of winter, they need to build the colony's strength back up, and for this they need workers. As we move further into the warmer spring weather, colonies begin to think about reproduction, and this is where drones are obviously required. Allowing colonies to grow to this point while infected with CBPV can only mean that the risk of transmission increases dramatically, and I really don't want to take that risk. The hives are now loaded onto the back of the truck, ready to go to the workshop for cleaning out and preparation for using further down the line in the season. Having completed this particular task last week, I took the opportunity to drive around the apiaries to see how the oilseed rape was progressing, and it's still a mixed bag as far as flowering is concerned. I imagine it's down to the various varieties, because I saw a couple of fields that were almost in full flower, Yet, barely a mile down the road, there were other fields that were only just beginning to have their flowers open and look a good week or two away from being in full bloom. Timing is therefore pretty good for me here, as I would like to get the colonies to the point of swarming so I can begin splitting and increasing the numbers that we have. It's not very often that I look forward to seeing swarm cells, but this year I'm really hoping to start seeing them soon. I do think the warmer weather will produce some swarm cells, and we'll have drones around towards the end of the month that will be sexually mature and ready to get out and do their thing, as it were. Looking ahead to the next week, I have a feeling everything is going to ramp up and get a little busier. The warmer weather means we'll be getting out and checking all of the colonies. That in itself will keep me pretty busy. I'll be getting supers at the ready to add to some of the colonies that, as yet, haven't had any additional space. Those will be supers with drawn comb. These are worth taking good care of, as it gives the bees an immediate expansion area to move stores into. With luck, it will see the start of some reasonable nectar flows. Together with the drawn comb, the bees will also get a super of foundation, something for them to get working on, while they repair and fill the drawn comb. We do have a local challenge in that the good folk of Norfolk appear to be hoarding diesel at the moment. Panic has set in and there are massive queues at most fuel stations and typically in a mindset of not wanting to miss out or get caught short, it seems that drivers are probably topping up their fuel tanks just in case and of course, it's heading towards the Easter weekend next week, so I guess a lot of people will be driving around to visit friends and family, or going away on holidays. I'm running on about a quarter of a tank right now, so I've probably got one more trip out before I get desperate. I do hate the idea of joining a queue for fuel, but fingers crossed everyone else will have a full tank by Monday, and I'll be able to sneak in and get some diesel early one morning. In beekeeping, timing is everything, and in true just-in-time logistical management, my recently ordered pallet of honey jars arrived on Friday. Thank goodness I managed to buy that pallet truck the other week, because we're desperately running out of space at the unit, and the chiller unit from the cold store is now blocking the route to the toilet. All will become perfectly fine once we get the last remaining bits of hive components out to the apiaries, but it is a bit of a squeeze in there right now. I'm trying to get everything out of the honey room in preparation for the early season extraction, 
so the jars just have to stay out and with the new warm room in position it's getting a little bit snug to say the least. Also in the coming week I'm off to check up on the colonies that I've purchased before loading them up and bringing them back to Norfolk. Each one will get a thorough health check to make sure they are free of the really nasty diseases that's the foul brood diseases and also of course CBPV. I can stand a little sack brood, chalk brood and wax moth but I really don't want to be bringing any more serious diseases home with me. Disease inspections are pretty straightforward really. Once you get the roof off take a look at the adult bees. Here we're looking mainly for CBPV any signs of shaking bees and they get an immediate refusal of course. A little smoke and the next step is looking for brood. Once I have the first frame of brood the bees get shaken gently off the frame so I can get a good look at the brood in the cells and also the cappings of any brood already sealed. Remember generally speaking EFB is a disease of open brood and AFB a disease of capped brood. But what I'm really looking for is healthy brood. If you can get yourself into the habit of being able to identify nice healthy brood you'll find that anything out of the ordinary will stick out like a sore thumb. It's amazing how, with a little experience, you'll be able to see a single cell that has an issue. Now that might just be that the cell hasn't been fully capped or it could be a single larvae with sac brood or it could be something more sinister. Whatever it is, you'll develop the ability to spot it quickly. So don't worry about looking for disease, just stick with looking for healthy brood and allow anything else to alert you to its presence. Once I've been through all of the colonies and confirmed I'm happy with them, we'll head back later in the evening to load them up onto the trailer and bring them back to their spring locations here in Norfolk. We'll have 50 or more colonies to go through, so it'll be a very full day of work. The first of many, I'm sure, and then the fun can really begin. That fun will consist of a huge round of splitting colonies in preparation for the coming summer nectar flow and I look forward to sharing the highs and lows with you over the coming season. Well that's it for this week, I'll catch up with you all again next time and remember I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs>